she told some people you were in trouble with it. They scattered all over town collecting money. Didn't ask any questions, just said, George in trouble, and tell me, you just what is it? Uh, like it spread like that. Another run on the bank? Here you are, George. Merry Christmas. There we are. The line farms on the right. From London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Oh. Hee haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Oh. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast. <laughs> to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. Harry able to toast his brother, George, as being the richest man in town. Why did, why did he even do that? Why could he do that? Because if you're familiar with the story, you know that uh, George had nothing in the bank account. If you remember the story, his uncle loses $8,000. And so George and his business and his interests are $8,000 in the hole. And he has nothing, nothing to, to, to cover that. Why in the world could he, could he toast him as the richest man in town? Uh, today we might say, we might call him, we might say that uh, a toast to my brother who lives large, as we're talking about larger and larger and smaller and smaller. But for George, it really had nothing to do on one level with his bank account. You see, George somehow learned the principle of living larger and larger, and he understood that it involved the idea of being generous. Solomon writes this, the world, the life of the generous gets larger and larger. The stingy gets smaller and smaller. And somehow uh, he knew this, or just instinctively lived this way. So there gets to be a moment where, where he, he is at the end of his rope, and because he learned to be generous, his world was huge. Whereas if we went and visited Mr. Potter, even though his bank account was full, 
we would find that his world was small. There's something to that. And it's interesting that uh, George did, yes, give money here and there. Yes, George was uh, generous with his resources. But he also was generous with his dreams. You know the story. He had lots of fantastic dreams. So not only was he generous with his life, not only was he generous with his time, but he also gave away his dreams. And when, when, I, when I was thinking about that this week, th that really struck me. Giving away money is one thing, but giving away your dreams is another thing. How do you, how do, you do that? How are you generous with, with everything? including your financial resources, including your time, your talents. You've, you've heard about that. And when we talked about the series about uh, being a good neighbor in the fall, we, we got into some of those time talents. Uh, we talked about uh, being incredible and serving and those kinds of things. But what about your dreams? There's been some times where I've, 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 I've given away my dreams, but, but I have to stop and pause. Some of that's between me and the Lord, and I, I won't share what those dreams are, but, but for most of us, there, there have been dreams. Sometimes we've had to give them up because we've had to give them up. It, it's impossible, but there are some times where because we're trying to be generous with our lives, that we give up our dreams. The next verse, uh, Solomon says it this way. He says, a generous person will prosper. That actually, in the original language, has the idea of be fat. We wouldn't, we wouldn't like that. A generous person will be fat. Oh, sorry, I'm not going to be generous then. But, but, that, but that's what that means, because, because it means prosperity in that culture was shown by just having enough to eat and having extra to eat. So a generous person... Uh, had more food on the table. And because of that, they grew. <laughs> a generous person will be prosperous. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That powerful little uh, phrase, what comes around goes around. That's true. It seems that when you and I are generous, our world does get larger and larger rather than smaller and smaller. Not always in the terms of financial, but the terms of life. You follow that whole movie through, and again, it's fictional, and it's nice, and it's sweet. But I would imagine at the end of that movie, George Bailey was enjoying life fuller because he was being refreshed by all those around him rather than if he had just had the $8,000 in the bank to cover the situation so it wouldn't have been an issue. It was actually better for him. Uh, his life was larger and larger. So there's this idea that when you and I learn to be 
larger and larger, generous. Our life gets larger. And I, I don't, I really want to drive this home that it's not a giving living kind of situation. It's not like an investment account. It's not like, well, I, I invest X amount of dollars and then I will get that amount back. Sometimes we see those uh, preachers on TV or we see those books written that have this idea that if you give money to them, then you'll get threefold, tenfold back. I'm, I'm not talking about that. For the most part, I think that's rubbish, actually. Um, that, that's not the case. It's this idea of being generous with our lives, and that our life gets fuller and fuller. And, and yet, you know, those of us who have been in church world for a while believe this on paper, but at least in my life, there's a moment where there's, there's some hesitation. There's a like, yeah, but. And there are times where I have to remind myself that I want to live a life of generosity even if my life doesn't, quote-unquote, get larger and larger. Because I think the reality is, if you're a Christ follower, you and I are never demonstrating the heart of Jesus more than when we're giving our life away. And uh, Jesus demonstrates that over and over again, and ultimately with giving his life and then rising again and coming back for, for us. You, you see, it reflects his heart. On the other hand, Paul tells us this. Paul says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I ought to know better. I could have some of you guys up here who are farmers come up and talk to us about this, uh, how, many, how much seeds per acre and all. That, I think that would be the right thing to say, right? And, and, you know, and what your return is and how all, all that works. You could tell, and you could talk about times where you didn't maybe put enough seed out there and, and you got a stingy crop, and other times you put a lot of seed out there and you got a good crop, and however that all works. But the principle is pretty... Uh, familiar to, to most of us, even those of us who aren't up on all farming and all that, that uh, how you plant reflects what you, you get. And again, I want to, this idea transcends finances, transcends finances. And this morning, if you're uh, first time here, you're probably elbowing the person next to you saying, yeah, see, you go to church and all they do is they want your money. And if you haven't been for a while, you're saying, yeah, every time I come to that church, they want my money. They're talking about that. But uh, we, we don't want your money. The Lord doesn't want your money. He wants your heart ten times larger than your money. And honestly, if he has your heart, he has everything else. When he has my heart, he has, he has everything else. Now, last week when we started this series, Larger and Larger, just for two weeks, um, we started with, with the idea of recalibration. We started with the idea of the fact that our um, connection to God informs our generosity. 
And in our church, we celebrate communion basically once a month. And we talked about four things. And, and you can catch up with that by going online or requesting a CD, and we can walk you through that. But our generosity, if you're a Christ follower, is connected to your relationship with God through Christ. And, and that is, is, that is what, what makes all this happen. That really is the inspiration for our generation, generosity. It's, it's not anything else. It's not me uh, twisting your arm. It's not me making some kind of plea. Uh, maybe I inform you about something, but that's about it. And then God does the rest. You see, in, the inspiration for our generosity is so important. Uh, last week, we talked about Jesus being the center point of everything or the centerpiece of everything we believe. And that word belief has the idea of action, not just head knowledge, but actually it shows up on the outside. So when we think about life and we think about, in a sense, seizing the day, when we think about larger and larger, it, it really rises on this, falls on this idea of generosity if you're a Christ follower. If you're not a Christ follower, um, in a sense, this is very informative. Uh, this may cause you to hesitate. Well, I really don't want to follow Christ if I have to be generous with my life. But, but those of us who are Christ followers, we're, we're locked in. Generosity is a part of our DNA, or it ought to be a part of our DNA. And then it ought to show up in the, in the, way, the way we live and the way we act. You see, the inspiration for our generosity, again, is this idea of it being relationally driven. It's literally relationally driven. Uh, our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We talk about wanting to make a difference in people's lives by leading them into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that means that all of our life is relationally driven especially our, our generosity. And we have to understand that, and we have to let that drive it. Not my please, not someone else's please. It's interesting, there's a story about a parable about a, a rich farmer, and they call, Jesus calls him a rich, a foolish rich farmer. And this idea is that he is doing well with his crops, and so well that he doesn't know what to do with all his surplus. So what does he do with his surplus? He uh, tears down his barns and stores more of it. And then Jesus says this about him. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not a rich relationship with God. I like how the New Living Translation paraphrased that, a rich relationship with God. It doesn't say, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not give it away. It says a rich relationship with God. You see, when you and I have a rich relationship with God, we're generous. It, 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 the two can't be separated. The two cannot be divorced. And the reason I'm so passionate about this isn't because I want more money in the offering plate. Last year, we finished our budget a couple thousand ahead. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your generosity. 
And if you add all the special offerings, whether it was a car for the Hendricks, whether it was this, whether it was that, whether it was benevolent love offerings, it actually, we were $40,000 above our budget. So thank you. And then if I was to think about all the ways you give beyond, and it doesn't, in a sense, come through the church, it was probably higher than that. So it's not about that. But I do know this absolutely. You and I are not growing spiritually if we're not generous. So the reason I express this is I'm after, we're after, you to grow spiritually. That's why we exist, to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. And a piece of that, not all of it, but a significant piece of that is our generosity. I am not growing if I'm not being generous. And it, and it grows, and the journey towards generosity transforms or changes as life unfolds. My generosity looks different than it was when I was in the 20s. And not to bold, but brag a little bit, but Cindy and I were pretty generous in our late 20s. But it can't be the same. It needs to continue to develop and grow. And it doesn't develop and grow because I'm trying to prove anything. It develops and grows because hopefully most of the time, not always, my generosity, our generosity, your generosity is relationally driven. That's a fancy way of saying God speaks to my heart. And I actually listen, and I respond. When you and I allow ourselves to be relationally driven, and we are generous with our finances, and our time, and our talents, but I'm talking mainly about finances today, uh, what we're saying is we're saying to God that I am yours. It's not that we're buying him, but it's we're saying I'm all in. All I have is yours. In any level, in any area of life that I kind of shut the door to that room or to that closet, I'm saying that area, I'm not yours. So I, I've, I've met people, and, and I've been this person, where, you know, five out of six areas line up pretty good, and then there's this one area that, no, no, that, that's, where, that's where Jesus, that, that you can't go into that that room, that, that's, that's closed. So when we have areas that we've closed off, we're saying, I'm not yours. So most definitely our generosity, and I, I'm great because I, I, I'm delighted that I don't have to tell you necessarily all the details. I, you know, if you sat down with me talk, I might give you some ideas, but I'm going to say it's relationally driven. So the place to go, to go to figure this out isn't necessarily into my presence, but to go into the presence of God. And seriously go into the presence of God. Not, not five seconds. God, do I have to do that? No, no. Woo, I'm gone. No, actually spend some time. Hear his voice. Listen. But it says, I am yours. It also says, I trust you. Uh, you, you know, and this, again, you, I've got some other points where I'll explain this. But it says, this says, I trust you. I can remember when Cindy and I were first married. I was full-time in school, part-time working as a picker for a pharmaceutical company, and Cindy was working at a Christian school, making less than $10,000 a year, and this was back, you know, 30 years ago, so we say, well, that's like a million dollars. Well, no, it was, still wasn't that much money, and, 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 and we were just making it, 
And we had to come to this realization, you know, if I trust God or I don't trust God. Do I trust God with, 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 with doing what he needs to do with 90% that's left over if I'm going to be generous? Or do I need all 100%? And slowly we opened our hands. It wasn't easy. And we said, we're going to attempt to trust you. With, with what's left, so we will give to you first. And you know what's amazing? Is here I am, alive and well. Kids are just about out of college, last one. I've had plenty of food to eat. We're making it. Unbelievable. It says, I trust you. And what God loves to do is he says, loves to step into our lives and say, I am trustworthy. So watch me, trust me, lean your life into me as a foundation and see what transpires. And what is so cool with that is it helps our relationship. I love the fact that I can trust God. I can trust God with my eternity. I can trust God with, with, with my health. I can trust God with my relationships. And I can even trust God with my finances. Unbelievable. And it's so fantastic to watch him show up in ways I don't expect. I actually don't want to live a careless life in a sense where I live foolishly, where God has to show up to, to bail me out because I've done something dumb or unwise. But I do want to live a life where it's open enough that, that I actually need him in the rhythm of my life. I don't want to have it so buttoned up that I don't need him to show up on a daily basis. I want him to show up on a daily basis. I want to experience him in the moment. I want to experience him. Well, we don't, I don't, he doesn't let me have the checkbook. But let's say I opened up the checkbook. I don't even know where it is. But if I opened up the checkbook, I want to be able to look at it and go, wow, I can see God's working and doing things. I want to be able to trust him. When you and I refuse, and some of us are, there are minds, our souls are being open to this. That, that's different. But when you and I have refused year after year after year to be genuinely generous, uh, we're not trusting. We're not trusting. It seems pretty clear that God wants us to be generous with our life. Also, it shows that I'm thankful. When I'm not generous, I am saying I don't have enough. Or I need something to reserve because I don't trust you. But it also says I'm not thankful if I just had a little bit more. I mean, I've played that game. If I just had a little bit more, then I'd be uh, more generous. But a little bit more doesn't seem to, to do that. I'm, I'm not thankful for, for what I have. Um, see, this is crucial to our spiritual growth. So that's why I talk about it. And again, it's a delight to me to say it's not because I'm nervous. I am definitely aware, but I'm not nervous about the finances of this local church. God continues to provide. And he provides more than we could imagine. So I'm thankful. Also with this, and I, 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 you know, I say this and I, I mean this, it's not guilt-driven. Our generosity is not to be because you feel guilty. I, you, you know, 
I love it when my kids do the right things because they want to do the right things, not because they feel guilty if they do the wrong thing. It's not to be guilt-driven. Paul writes of this. Each of you should give what you decide in your heart to give. That happens in that relational time. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That idea of cheerful giver actually means with laughter, hilarious. He loves us when we love to give with joy. It's not to be guilt-driven. Some things in my life are guilt-driven. That might get me over the hump, but it's not to, to stay there. It, it, joyfully give. Joyfully give. And again, I, you know, today it's kind of... I. Didn't plan this totally this way, but it's interesting. Uh, those of you who have registered your generosity this year, uh, the, your receipts are ready in your boxes, or you can see uh, Martha at the end of the service out by the mailbox. She'll have these envelopes. But um, you know, when I got mine, I was it was fun to look and say, "Wow, you, you know, it was great to 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 be generous like that." I wonder how we should adjust that or change that. It's a great feeling to say yes. I was generous, and, and, and Sydney and I were and here we are. Bills are all paid. There's some extra in the bank. This is, this is fantastic. So it's not to be guilt-driven. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The resources the blessings, if you want to call them that, the money, the, he gives us what we need. And then, and then what's amazing is it enables you and I to do the good things we're supposed to do. It's not so that I can have just more stuff. You'll abound in every good work. It's great. So, so you, you leverage that. You're generous. And yes, you get to do some wonderful things. But it enables you to live out your life in a good way that points to him. That's, that's the purpose of all these resources that you and I have as Christ followers is to point to him. And what's nice is God allows us to use a little on the side to enjoy life. It's also this idea, it's not a bless me driven kind of a thing. It's not, it's not I do this, and I mentioned this early, as an investment. Uh, we could take a look at uh, uh, Jacob. And when Jacob uh, comes to being aware of God and a relationship with him, and he's trying to figure this out. He's very immature in his faith, and he has this conversation with God, and it's about me, about him, me, watch over me, it's uh, give me, and uh, it goes on and on and on, all these give me's, and then he says, I will give you a tenth. So in other words, what, what 10%, uh, he's, what he's saying is he's saying, if you take care of me, then I'll do this. That's maybe a good place to start. But the reason I'm talking to you about generosity isn't, isn't to uh, some creative Ponzi scheme to get more money. I give this, and then God's going to give this. I scratch his butt, because he obviously needs my money, and so I'll give him some, and then he'll do his supernatural magical thing, and somehow I'll have more. 
That's what Jacob was saying here. And, and, and that, was, that was a start, but that, that actually was, was pretty immature. So this whole idea of generosity, it's not a bless me driven, it's not a, a give me uh, giving living kind of thing. You see, it's much more than that. Again, it's relationally driven. So if you don't have a authentic relationship with God, if you haven't uh, acknowledged your need for forgiveness, if you haven't put your trust in him, believe that Jesus died and rose again so that you could have a relationship, God paid the price for your sins and chosen him to live. You're, you're almost ill-equipped to this generosity thing because I'm going to say, and not in an arrogant way, but just I'm going to say when you're being generous, you're, you're having it driven by a bunch of other things. It may even be goodwill, but it's not relationally driven from your relationship with Christ. And so you could Give great amount, do this kind of thing, but, but it's, it's, it's not the same. I want the way, I want my resources, when Cindy and I give our resources together, I, I want them to be relationally driven from Christ. Now, I, I will say this, uh, some of you are saying, well, what happens if my spouse is not there yet? Well, you've got to work with that. So you don't draw a line in the sand and those kinds of things. Uh, fortunately, Cindy and I are on, on the same page as that. And sometimes, I'm actually generous than she is and the reason for that is because she pays the bills so i have no idea oh give somebody there dude you know she's like you know she's like do you really i go no just you know so she goes you know so so sometimes it's you know you know i'm just not aware of what's going on it's just there 50 bucks you know whatever but um anyway so but this this idea it's relationally driven and if if your spouse isn't on the same page with you you got, you got to work with that and it, yeah, it's a little awkward, but you got to work with that. So, so how does this all take place? How do we grow in generosity, especially when it comes to our finances? Uh, first of all, it very simply starts with a gift. Can you remember the first time as a Christ follower that you actually gave a gift? I, I can remember it. I can, I, can, I can remember it clearly. And... Um, I was 13 years old. I've shared this story with you before. Uh, there was a Billy Graham film. We used to do those on Sunday nights. Any of you remember doing that kind of thing? There'd be a new film come out. It was a Sunday night. And there was this lady, Johnny Erickson. And uh, she told her story, uh, you know, uh, had a swimming accident, uh, was paralyzed from the neck down. And, and she told her story. And I was so moved... By that movie, and I, and I don't think it was manipulation, I think Jesus was in my heart saying, this is awesome, give, and I looked, and I actually had a wallet, and I looked in there, and there was a $10 bill, and I'm like, can I rip that in half, and <laughs> no, and I gave that $10 bill, and it was awesome. It was awesome. You may be in that place now. You, you know, there might be a Sunday coming along, and all of a sudden the plates go by, and every other time you've not really felt and led to do anything. And again, this is your starting of your trip to generosity, and all of a sudden you put some money in, and you go, wow, this is great. Because any time you respond to the Holy Spirit relationally, God in your life, and you, you, you follow his lead, your spirit goes, woohoo! It's awesome. 
Have you, have you any had those times? It doesn't have to do with money, anything. You follow Jesus' lead in your life through his spirit, and you do his prompting, and it's awesome. It's a beautiful thing. So it starts with, with a simple gift. If you're eager to give, God will accept your gift on the basis of what you have to give, not on what you haven't. I love that little phrase, because sometimes I can compare my giving to somebody else gone off the rails when I do that. It's for what I have, how God has blessed me. It's not what somebody else does. There, there are some that have less resources than I do and give less, and God is actually more delighted with that person because they, they are really trusting God. And sometimes my giving, even because we've been doing it for so long, is actually kind of easy. It's a part of the rhythm of our life. We've made decisions over the years that allow us to be in that place. And so, so, so it's, it's not no more, it's, and it's not any more noble than somebody else. It's just we're living off decisions we made 15, 20, 25 years ago. But it's not over what you don't have, it's, it's what you have. And then we get into this area that, uh, you know, can push our buttons as a side here, percentage giving. Uh, many of us call this tithing, and it actually means 10%. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, giving gifts and someone says, yeah, well, I tithe, and they really don't tithe because it's not really 10% of their income. Now, how you figure that all out is relationally driven. Some people before taxes, after taxes. What about, I'm like, you know, you know, you know, you know it's, it's, a lot of it is the intent of the heart. It's, it's relationally driven. In Malachi, we read about this, and you say, well, that's Old Testament. So, No, uh, it, it, it applies to us today. And the whole idea, and I'm going to read through it all, you can look at this in your notes, is this whole idea of robbing God. These people were not giving their tithe. And Malachi, under the leading of God, says these things to him, you're robbing me. And they're going, how are you robbing me? And he's saying, you're not giving the tithe to the storehouse. And some would interpret the storehouse as the local church. I personally would interpret it that. So, so for Cindy and I, and again, we're on this journey, and we may be farther along than you, and that's okay. It's not about a competition thing. For us, we, we, we tithe to our local church, and then if there's extra things beyond that, we give extra. So when we go to the, the um, Family Hope Center and there's a banquet or something, that doesn't come out of our tie. That, that's beyond. That's extra. Uh, when there's a missionary need, when there's uh, whatever it is, that, that's extra. And, and that's where we have been relationally driven to that place. That, that, that the local storehouse is here and then extras beyond that. Also, I'll have to say, I remember when I was a youth pastor, and we would, or even when our kids were in youth group, and you know, we would send our kids to snow camp. It would be like four hundred dollars. That was we were paying for a service. That wasn't our tithe. We were paying for our kids to go to snow camp. So I didn't like. We didn't. I would have liked to have. I like to say, well, we can discount this over a couple weeks, and you know, that doesn't. No, no, that wasn't giving. We were paying for something. We wanted our kids to go. Again, but it's relationally driven. And as I say these things, if these things make you uncomfortable because you think I'm being a little bit of a jerk, and I am, then that's then you say he's jerk and you can dismiss it. But if it's the Holy Spirit, 
If it's relationally driven, don't blame me. Don't blame me. It's all on you. I hate to say that. And all of this giving stuff, uh, Jesus himself said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've, come to I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Difference between letter of the law and spirit of the law. And if you look at Jesus' writings, if you look at his, t or his teachings, his, you'll see that he takes a lot of law stuff and expands it. A lot of law stuff and expands it. He goes from the external to the heart. And it's actually harder in the heart than just the external. I can present things externally and have things going, different, going on differently in my heart. He says, no, it starts with, with the heart. And again, this idea of uh, percentage giving uh, Paul writes, the, the amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Some of us think I earned that. No, the Lord helps you earn it. The Lord helps me earn it. The Lord gives me a body, a mind that can work. He lines things up so I can have a job, so I can have employment. And, and again, if, 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 that, if, if you're not a Christ follower, you're still trying to think if that's really the reality. But if you are a Christ follower, I would think you think that. I hope you don't think you're on your own when it comes to your employment. Everything else God has done for you, but except for that, you've pulled yourself up for your bootstraps financially. He's just pulled yourself up spiritually, and the two aren't connected. I, it, it, it's not that way. That's not true. So we go from a gift every once in a while to tithing, and then we move on to this area called generosity. Generosity. It just moves beyond that. We see in the early church, they didn't just percentagely give. They, they were generous. They, they shared everything. I really don't like reading that, but they shared everything. When there was a need, when it was relationally driven, it doesn't mean they enabled bad habits. If someone was sloppy with their money, they weren't coming alongside bailing them out all the time. But, but they shared everything everything. When relationally God laid it on their heart, that means that you need to know your relationship with God. You need to know that it's not your expectations. It's not someone putting you on a guilt trip. You need to know that it's the voice of God prompting you in your heart to give. You need to grow in that. It's the same way um, when you first have little kids and they're in the nursery and there's a bunch of kids in there screaming. I don't know why that's happening. Must be pinching the kids. No, just kidding. But they're screaming in there. You can ignore it until you hear your kids screaming in there. And somehow you know your kids scream over three or four other kids scream. And that's relationally. You know your kids' voices. Same thing happens with your relationship with God as you actively engage in growing that. You recognize when it's some guilt trip that somebody put on you 20 years ago and when it's really his voice. You are able to identify that. Then you can be generous. Um, I don't have the right, after tithing 10% before taxes, to then spend 90% on myself selfishly. Don't have that right. Don't have that right. I need to be generous. 
He owns it all. And there's even been some times, not many times, where I've been saving my money to get some gadget that I need, and I've been saving it for a while, and he's let it on my heart to skip the gadget, and, to, and, 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 and my hands don't want to let it go. There's birthday money in there. My mom wanted me to buy something for me. There's Christmas money in there. And he says, open it and let it go. And I have to be honest with you, all of a sudden, the next day, there's not $10 million in my bank account. It's gone. I have to start saving all over again. Generosity, relationally driven. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. I love seeing God's grace at work in other people and in myself. I would actually pay for that. If I could go, oh, yes, Lord, this week, if I put an extra $50 in, can I just have a little more grace? If I could buy some grace, you know, and see it work in people's lives. When, you know, especially when you think you love somebody. If you could, hey, if you could say, hey, Lord, <laughs> you know, I really would like to see you work in that person's life. I really want to see you get going in their life. Here's an extra. If you could do that, you, at least I, you probably would do that, especially someone you really love. So this generosity thing seems to just release God's just amazement working because for us to be generous is a work of God. It just doesn't happen on its own. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. You see, really, this is the idea of a, a generous lifestyle. Really quickly, I'm going to give you some guidelines for this generous lifestyle, some thoughts. Uh, first of all, we need to make sure that we're tasteful when it comes to our giving, our generosity. It's not about calling attention to you. It's, it's not that uh, uh, you're trying to say, hey, look at me, I'm such a great giver or whatever. Uh, sometimes you've received a Christmas gift or a birthday gift, and all of a sudden you discover that the, really the gift was all about the gift giver because they keep reminding you about it. How about that gift I gave you? you know, and you're like, I wish you had never given me that because you keep bringing it up all the time. Those aren't the kind of gifts that you and I like to receive. We like gifts given tastefully. Uh, we don't give to be seen. It's not to lift ourselves up. And you can take a look at uh, one through four there, and it talks about that whole idea. You know, our, our giving is to be personal, but in a sense not private. And the reason I want to say that is, is I've met people sometimes, they're so conscious of not letting anyone know is that they're almost like, it's almost like a superstitious kind of thing. Like, I, I can't let anyone know what I'm doing. Well, well, sometimes you and I are called to model a generous lifestyle. It's not that we're saying, hey, look at me, but sometimes the only way someone else would learn to be generous is to see somebody being generous. So again, if it's relationally driven, you'll figure that out. Sometimes you keep it. Sometimes there are things where I say, Lord, this one's just between you and me. And I, I, he's driving me. And then sometimes I, it's, it's, it's okay to let it slip. Yeah, I helped that person out like that because you're, you're modeling it. I don't have to be the, the, the manager of your conscience and motivation. Somebody else's, that's called the Lord. So I don't have to get in the middle of that. You can figure that out as you know his voice. There's also this idea of being con consistent 
and regular. Consistent and regular. Paul talks about every Sunday, and this was because this is the way it worked in the in the New Testament world, is that you got paid at the end of the day, every day, you'd save your money, or you'd go grocery shopping that night because food didn't keep, and you'd keep your leftover in a little jar, hide it someplace, and then on Sunday when you came to church, you, you would give what God had, had, had addressed to you. So it's not like every Sunday, because all of us uh, get compensated different ways, different times, and those kinds of things, but the idea here is it's to be consistent. And I love this, be as generous as you can. Relationally driven. Not what do I have to give, but I want to be generous. And then Paul says, so when I get there, you'll have it ready, and I won't have to make a special appeal. He doesn't like want to go, come on, guys, where's the, you know, he just doesn't want to do that. I don't want to do that. That's because I don't like doing these kinds of messages, but I'd be practicing I'd be malpracticing spiritual counsel if every once in a while we didn't talk about this. That would be wrong. Be as generous as you can. Also, there needs to be a time where it's sacrificial. I can't tell you when. can't tell you how that works. But every once in a while, relationally driven, it dawns on me that we need to actually literally sacrifice. We need to not go do something, not buy something. I can't tell you when, but it's not like sacrificing is out of bounds of generosity. It needs to be in there. I can remember a couple times where um, we wanted to give a special offering. I can't remember what it was to, and for like, I don't know if it was once a week for a month or something like that, Cindy, because she wanted to teach, great mom, wanted to teach sacrificial giving, decided that on, let's just say it was Monday, the day could be wrong. Every Monday for a month, we just had rice for supper. And we didn't have a more expensive meal. And then we took that extra money in theory because she wanted the girls to learn what sacrificial giving really was. We're sacrificing. Because it's unbelievable. We as Americans are so rich, we can be generous without sacrificing. Talk to other Christ followers around the world. They actually give up rice in the whole meal. And that's not to feel guilty, but we're missing out. Sometimes we ought to sacrificially give. Again, I can't tell you when, how often, can't tell you any of that stuff. Relationally driven. David is in this situation where God has blessed him. I don't want to get into all the story. And he needs this, uh, this place to, to, to have this sacrifice. He wants to buy this place, this, this threshing floor. And the owner says, I'll just give it to you. And David says, I can't take it. I can't give an offering that doesn't cost me anything. He realizes that that would kind of not make it a real offering because there was no sacrifice in it. And again, I can't tell you how, when, and all that. I just, I just think that this idea of sacrificially giving needs to be a part of the rhythm of a generous Christ follower. Bro, I mentioned this already, but this idea of cheerfully, enthusiastically given, God loves a cheerful giver. Have you ever been given something and you could tell they weren't happy about giving it to you? And it just takes all the fun out of the whatever. Uh, you know, it's not like uh, 
we get something for the kids, and it was expensive, and, and maybe it cost a little bit, and I just, just berate them, in a sense, by telling them how much it cost and, and all this kind of stuff, and I really don't want to give it to them, but we did it anyway, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, you, you know, that, that, would, that, would, that, would, that would steal the joy. God loves a cheerful giver, just like you like a cheerful giver. And the bottom line is this, when we are generous with our life, God is generous in our life. And that generosity, bottom line, foundational, is that we see him showing up more and more in our life. It's not a generosity of our, 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 uh, our, uh, our net value goes up. That's a pretty shallow I want, I want more of God in my life. I want to see him working. And when I have to trust him, when I have to lean into him, when I have to be all in, I see more of him showing up in my life. Malachi says this. He says, test me in this and, I, and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessing beyond your wildest dreams. And the danger zone about this kind of thing is I, I could share with you some blessings that have come into Cindy and our lives because of decisions. But, but I don't want to set that as the litmus test for your life. But I, I can tell you, I can tell you, being generous, being generous has opened heaven itself to, to, into our lives in all kinds of ways. And the blessings trump finances beyond our wildest dreams. You see, when we're generous with our whole life, which includes our finances, God is generous in our life. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you that you want us to grow, that you want us to grow in our relationship with you, that you're, that you're not just open to that, you're encouraging us to do that, that we can know you and walk with you and experience more and more of you in our lives. And that's really what makes life larger and larger. An aspect of that is our generosity. Lord, help us to continue to be a generous, generous people, not so that we just have blessing in our life, but so that we can be a blessing in our community's life, in our family's life, and those people's lives that we come in contact to even those people around the world through our difference-making partners. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, and we anticipate seeing you show up in our lives as we're more generous with our lives. We wonder what our life will look like even six months from now. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.